All right, Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Ed Carbohall with Matthew Hawkins. You didn't think you'd get into Memorial Day weekend without one from us. And Matt brought got us an exclusive with one of the competitors on uh, Polaris. What is it, 10 this weekend, Matt? Yeah, Polaris 10 uh, this Saturday live on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, uh, the guy that uh, Cal Uno's facing, Lay Remedios. Is that, am I saying that right? Is it Lee or Lay? Lee, Lee Remedios. Lee. Uh, yeah. Former uh, fought UFC 38 uh, versus Ginke Sudo, uh, one of the original pioneers of UK MMA. Uh, before there was really a lightweight division, he was uh, pretty much considered the, the number one uh, lightweight fighter in all of Europe uh, for a couple years. Um, you'll hear a lot about it in the interview. Uh, we get into some of his early career, uh, how he felt about being ranked that high, and, uh, and obviously talk a bit about uh, his uh, big matchup. Uh, 43 years old, hasn't really had any major competition in the last few years, uh, but he uh, obviously couldn't turn down the opportunity to uh, face another legend uh, in, in Kyle Uno um, in such a big event, uh, basically in his backyard there in uh, in the UK. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to root against a 43-year-old jiu-jitsu guy, so that's <laughs> that's right up my that's alley. That's right up your alley. <laughs> I mean, you'll, uh, you'll hear in the interview he's happy that he's not, uh, they didn't try to throw him to any of the young wolves. No, I actually listened to some of it already. I mean, just for folks listening on the audio portion of this show, um, uh, because uh, Remedios is in the UK, Matt had to arrange a, a recording time to interview him. That's obviously, uh, you know, the across the pond. Um, plus, with our schedules, me being on the East Coast, Matt on the West Coast, um, and he was the one able to grab it because uh, I, I was busy with other stuff. So. So he grabbed it, and um, that's what folks are going to hear after this. Um, you know, we didn't want to leave anyone without any uh, fighter interviews uh, on Memorial Day weekend. But uh, as we're recording, the PFL just finished up, and uh, if if you haven't seen the the knockouts and and I mean the the ESPN two portion anyway, just go to the Pro Fight League's uh, Twitter profile. They uh, have all the highlights on there, so I know Matt, you you, you had just gotten out, um, off the road when you uh, when we started recording this, man. If you haven't seen it, man, whoo! One dude, uh, actually, he lost Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, he he got knocked out, but uh, he was so disoriented, uh, he was so disoriented that when Eves Levine broke him up, he 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 up kicked Eves Levine in the chin and then almost slapped the knee bar on him because he thought he was still fighting. Oh, too bad so, it wasn't Herb Dean. <laughs> or what's his face uh what's what's his face mario yamasaki yeah <laughs> yeah so but uh yeah so that's the that's the the main card is getting ready to start here i think in about 30 minutes on um on espn plus uh i don't I'll know ne- about that yeah i know that's not your uh your forte i'll never understand uh, their their thing seem yeah. like they're fairly successful in their first week show uh, yeah. having the main card on espn2 they reversed it this time and did the prelims on ESPN two and then the main card on ESPN plus. Maybe that's their plan. Try to get some eyes and then suck yeah. some people over to the, to the paid portion of their, uh, of their paid, uh, you know, subscription. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, pretty solid card though. Tonight. I know. Uh, uh, Andre Harrison's uh, on there. Yeah, I was going to say Andre Harrison, Lance and, uh, Palmer, Chris Wade. Uh, I mean, they're all fighting. Um, the, uh, the other half of their brackets, they just actually sh- flashed it on the screen. I'm sorry, I don't have the names ready, but um, 
you know, if you're uh, fortunate to have, oh yeah, you're right, there is. There actually another fight coming on right now. Rashid Magomedov. We were just talking about Magomedov. Uh, I tell you what, man. There's mad Russians on the ESPN2 portion. The the guys that won that I mentioned, um, with the exception of of uh, the guy that beat Kennedy. Um, but the two knockouts or the one the first decision and then the guy the the one jumping knee knockout. You got to see because the dude the way the dude gets shut off. He beats uh, I forget Jackson got knocked out. Um, he got shut off. He fell down face down. His ass was up. It's it's literally took him out of his took him out of his body. But um yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at the main card right now, and it looks like due to probably the prelims going quick, uh, based off kind of what you're talking about, some some finishes. Mm. It looks like they perhaps have pulled the Mega Medoff. Uh, oh gosh, Red Red he's above uh, match uh, yeah. from the main card down to the prelims uh, yeah. in order to not have such a, a you know 45 minute gap or so and in the time so yeah that looks like that um hey man they had a like a, a near uh 80 finish rate midway through their first season and uh the way they're going now they might have they might keep that stat up yeah they're on to something um you know they didn't get huge rating numbers on nbc sports so i i don't think necessarily the espn thing plus is going to hurt them in, in any mm-hmm. sense whereas I, I think it will in the long run hurt the ufc um but, well, I, you know, we've talked about it before. We don't know the numbers. There could be yeah. 10 people watching or there could be 10 million people watching and, and we really would have no idea. So, yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm all in on it. I mean, I, I like the format. I think the format is I pre- I'd prefer this format across the board in all MMA, honestly. Um, yeah, this is, this is the Grand Prix kind of style yeah. that, uh, that Pride really built itself on. And uh, I, I just I think it's I, I think it's great. I think they need to tweak some stuff as far as. Uh, maybe draws or um, I know there was some issues. Uh, I feel like there was some issues late at the end of the last season. Um, yeah. With, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the one five minute round fight, stuff like that. It, it'd be nice if they could tweak some stuff around, but um, you know, if, if they're able to keep really paying their, there was no complaints about season one. My whole thing about season one was the finals were going to come around and all of a sudden checks were going to start bouncing, but there's been no report of that. And uh, no. If they're really coming up with you know a quarter million dollars a fight for these guys essentially, who who make it and win the championship and and eventually add up to a million dollars, then good for them. And uh, you know, like you said, uh, former or the champ from season one, featherweight Lance Palmer, headlines tonight's card um, against Alex Gilpin. I'm not familiar with Gilpin, but he does have a 12 and one record. Um, so that is yeah, a, uh, that that might be something interesting. Palmer's not one of the most exciting fighters in the world, but uh, he gets the job done and. Well, I mean, he might be different. You know, he's been training out here in Jersey under Mike Henry, uh, Mark Henry, rather, uh, and um, what you call it at uh, Almeida's spot too. You know, with uh, Frankie Edgar and all those guys. So maybe, maybe you might see something different tonight. Yeah, I mean, I believe he, he historically came from the uh, alpha male, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I can't complain. The guy wins, and when you're fighting for that much cash, you do what you got to do to win. So there's that. Um, Andre Harrison, who was uh, upset last season. Suffered his first career loss. Um, you mentioned yeah. him also on the main card. Like you said, Chris Wade and uh, Islam uh, Ma- Mamedov. Islam Mamedov <laughs> against uh, somebody else I'm never going to pronounce. But um, like you said, yeah, it's heavy, heavy Russian and uh, heavy Russian yeah. influence across the board in Dagestani. And um, 
but yeah, that's tonight. Uh, not a ton of action over the weekend. Uh, we do have the uh, the previously mentioned uh, Polaris 10 card, yeah. which, uh, you know, it's uh, – I, I like what they're doing. I, I'm not uh, – they've had 10 events. I've probably caught a few of them. I, I'm not as up on it as I wish I was. Uh, but when I see names like Nikki Ryan, who uh, headlining the event against Uriah Faber, uh, to me that becomes almost a must-win or a must-see match, I should say. Yeah. Uh, the, the MMA legend Faber against the, uh, the you know, the savant, the you know, kind of the rain man of submission <laughs> grappling, uh, Nikki Ryan, who uh, mm-hmm. is like 17 years old, but is just a uh, pretty much an unstoppable force. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I looking at his professional record right now as far as grappling goes, and um, I mean he's got wins over Tokoro and uh, Imanari, and I mean he's finishing these people, which yeah. is uh, you know, topology doesn't necessarily have the doesn't look no, like it but has... I mean when you when you can when when you're at that age and and you know injuries don't hang around so long and and all you got to I mean I mean from what I hear all he does is train train and play video games, so so. I mean, he's keeping his mind sharp. His, I mean, his skills are sharp. I mean, that he's only at at that age, so young, at that level of competition, he's he's probably going to be one of the best out there. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's just amazing to me when you know you see the maturity and uh, you know, although grappling and you can tell me if I'm wrong, it doesn't obviously technique overcomes strength in in many situations. Yeah, um, especially when guys weigh the same, you know, they're coming at the same weight. Um, Seeing him finish these guys is is amazing. I mean, when you see guys like, you know, Takaro and his career going, you know, uh, to a decision against guys like Hoist Gracie and stuff, and and you know, given Hoist is a legend and perhaps not the greatest jujitsu fighter of all time, but uh, or or submission master of all time, but a guy like Nicky Ryan goes in there and finishishes a guy off who's done that with Hoist. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive to me. I mean, I don't. I don't know where his well, MMA career is going to go, and and uh, he's not in any hurry for that. But no, it, it's excitement. You know, I don't know if you saw. Uh, I wrote an article for Sure Dog this week on Damien Maya, where he talks about like uh, specialists in MMA and how how he thinks they're dying off. Um, and uh, he actually mentioned like uh, you know, so he, he considers obviously he's when you think of jujitsu specialists and mixed martial arts, you think of Damien Maya, but. But uh, he even said, like, you know, the, you know, the the type of specialists change, and that's the thing about jujitsu, like, you know, the the martial art. That's what separates it from other martial arts. It's it's always evolving. So, the stuff that that guys like Craig Jones, who's also on the Polaris card, um, you know, um, Craig Jones, Nicky Ryan, all all these guys that are coming out of the 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 DDS, the Donna Hardest Squad, and and these leg lockers and the Wagner Hoshas of, of the world. Um, they're uh, they're coming in with uh, some of its new stuff, some of its old stuff. You know, they're just finding different ways. It's very sport oriented. It won't all transfer well over to uh, jujitsu. Obviously, uh, Tonin picked up that win over the weekend at one with a, a heel hook, but um, you know that's his record is still young. Uh, the when he faces better guys that are more adept that just focus like like fighters watch this stuff because they're all you know it's all mixed together. So when they see this, when they see these leg lockers coming in, they're already classified. There's already a classification for them, and they'll do like me. I'm not trying to learn all the leg locks, but uh, I actually the guys that are into them, I roll with them a lot, so I can learn the defenses. I don't ever care if I if I get I can hit them all. I know how to do some of them already, but because of being put in them. But when I, I, I there's 
three leg lockers in my academy that I roll with regularly just to focus on getting out of them, you know? So uh, it's just, uh, that's just the evolution of the game. Talking about uh, new, newer jujitsu guys or the evolution of it, Craig Jones is on that card too uh, against Matthias Lutes. And um, I don't know. I mean, your guy that you interviewed, uh, Lay Remedios, that seems to be, uh, I mean, they're both kind of up there in age and, and seasoned grapplers, Cal Uno. Uh, I'm assuming you get into that with him. Yeah, uh, yes, and, and Uno's 44. Like I said, uh, Lee is, is 43. Um, you know, they were both kind of, uh, you, you know, Uno Uno advanced his career farther in MMA, and you'll hear Lee uh, comment a bit on that. Um, Lee's not trying to fool anybody. Um, again, that'll come across in the interview. He knows where he stands and what age he's at and, and kind of where he stands in, in the history of, of mixed martial arts, uh, especially in the UK. And, um, you know, he's real straightforward with his stuff. Uh, he looks at it as a chance to, uh, to compete again. And, uh, and, and when you get a chance to fight a legend, a guy who was, who potentially had he been given a few more chances in the UFC could have been somebody he could have crossed paths with. Um, at a time when Uno was challenging for the UFC lightweight belt and, and getting in the cage with BJ Penn and, and such in the UFC. So um, it, it's just a fun fight for him. Uh, and, uh, and and one, he just basically said that uh, he just wasn't worth turning down for him uh, a chance to fight a legend and, and, and get in there and compete again, uh, you know, and uh, – and I, th- I think that's it. I mean, I think he sees the card, he sees all the names, and it's just it's just fun for him to get a chance to compete again. Uh, yeah. But you mentioned Craig Jones. You mentioned leg locks. That guy just seems to leg lock the hell out of people. Uh, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that he uh, he just finished Dennis Hallman by a leg lock, didn't he? At uh, at the submission underground. At submission yeah, underground. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, you know what? He's not. It's crazy because it was so fa- he he slapped it on so fast. And um, and then he immediately was like checking to make sure Dennis Holland's leg was all right, but um, you know, because submission on the ground, it's a super fun environment. The way they have it set up with the cage and MMA fighters versus like full-time grapplers, and the whole mix is really uh fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, he's always competing somewhere, and um, that's pretty much the the status of most of his matches. So, but uh, I know Math- <clears throat> Matthias, his his opponent is not um, is no slouch. So this might be one of those ones that uh, I mean in Polas, what do they do? Advantage, right? I forgot how they do the. They don't do the EBI rules there. It's um, okay. So I, I get into that a bit. Uh, the main card bouts are 15 minute bouts, mm-hmm. one round, and uh, apparently they have a judging system where yeah. they judge they judge it in three five minute increments. So while there aren't rounds, they essentially score the first five minutes of the bout, the second five minutes of the bout, and the third five minutes of the bout, um, and, and that's how they will come to a decision. Um, according to Lee, um, again, like I said, I'm not, I wish I was more up to, on Polaris, but, uh, it's, it's really just kind of taken off now. And like I said, for me, an MMA guy, when they start adding favor and, um, I'm I'm also on the card, I'm really familiar with Richie Martinez. I've covered several of his bouts at, uh, EBI. He's the, uh, Eddie Bravo invitation. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, He's the combat jujitsu, 185 pound champion. Uh, so this is, uh, and, and again, Complete competed in uh, quintet. A lot of these guys have been in quintet. Uno, Martinez, uh, Ryan. I think Craig Jones also was on a couple of the teams in quintet. So it's uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of 
you know, in the in the grappling world, you're kind of seeming seems like you're getting a bit of a uh, a system of guys now that are kind of almost a tour. You know, it's almost like a pro wrestling thing where you you have a, a group of you know twenty really popular grapplers that are bouncing from organization to organization and competing against each other, and then you're getting an occasional mixed in uh, MMA superstar. So. I look forward to it. It's going to be on Fight Pass on Saturday. Uh, I believe the main card starts at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Yep. Um, in the U.K., uh, that will be, I believe, 8 p.m. They're four hours ahead of you on the East Coast, so the main card will be on 8 p.m. Uh, 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 Greenwich Standard Time or whatever the heck they got over there. But uh, Real quick, yeah. just before we, uh, before we, uh, we switch over to your interview, um, on the prelims, Enrique Villasenor versus Trevor Birmingham. Trevor Birmingham is somebody that that's uh, been at my academy. I didn't get a chance to train with him, but uh, I I ate with him. Uh, he was here competing for Anaga, and if you uh, watch the YouTube podcast uh, Rolling with Simon, there's a full interview with him on there. But um, it's pretty cool to see somebody that I that I you know I'm probably going to get to train with again competing on a stage like this. So yeah, um, that's all. I just wanted to make sure he got a shout out on here too. Nice. So, yeah, everybody stay tuned. Uh, I got up super early, 4 o'clock this morning, to uh, to interview Lee. Uh, so uh, I managed to stay awake through it. A lot of interesting stuff. Uh, I want to throw a shout-out to the MMACommunity.com, where I uh, where I really got closer to Lee. Uh, I do know him from some other forums, but he's a moderator on that forum and uh, a really good dude in general. So if uh, after the interview you want to uh, contact him, um, other than through his social media, feel free to sign up for the MMA community.com and, uh, and tag him on a post and, uh, and I mean, he'll be happy to answer any other questions, uh, any fans have. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, I look forward to talking to you again late, uh, after the holiday, Ed, have a good long weekend and, uh, hopefully we get some more violence tonight in PFL. Yes, sir. All right, cool. Uh, stay tuned for the interview folks. Lee, uh, Remedios, uh, uh, MMA pioneer, a former uh, number one UK uh, lightweight fighter, um, and uh, someone who's uh, got a late call and is competing in the uh, Polaris 10 event uh, this Saturday on UFC Fight Pass. Lee, thanks for joining us. No worries. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Um, so uh, we'll get get into some of your uh history and some of the stuff that really interests me about your early mma career in a bit here but uh you know you've been out of action for a little bit as far as, as big big name events go uh what does it feel like to get back into uh the action here uh with a, with a big show like polaris uh on, on fight pass um they probably won't want me to say this but if i'm honest it, it's kind of a ball ache it's kind of a hassle um I'm I'm an engineer. I run my own gym. I'm a family guy. Putting in camps and stuff isn't really what I want to do anymore. You know, I mean, I'm in my in my forties now, <laughs> but I got asked to fight Heruno, and you can't say no, right? Here we are. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna. That was my next question: is is the fact that it's Caruno did that uh, did that heavily uh, sway your your uh, your opinion, or at least your uh, as far as you wanted to get in on it was was being a big name like that, uh, a major reason for jumping back into the action? Yeah, yeah. So um, Polaris contacted me before, um, last year I think it was, um, because they needed a step in to fight in Minari. Um, and I said, well, yeah, I'd I do that as well. Um, but I did kind of make it clear that I didn't just want to take fights on their show just to fight 
um, a, a domestic guy or anything like that. Not because I think I'm better at all. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm better than a lot of the UK guys, but I just don't want to have to put in the big camp and everything else for someone that's not going to excite me. And that, that probably sounds quite rude, and, it, and I don't mean it to. Um, but someone like Imanari or Keruno, um, that's exciting, right? So, yeah, yeah, I'll jump in and I'll do that. Um, but it's not something that I care to make a career of. So um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just fun for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense to me for the fans that uh, haven't been MMA fans for for as long as I ever competed, as long as you have Carl Uno as a uh, kind of a Japanese MMA legend, uh, especially uh, as a representative in the UFC, fought BJ Penn uh, and several other guys, uh, actually fought BJ Penn twice, fought for the title uh, to a draw uh, at one time, so... uh, you know, and he's been around forever, still competes, I believe, in, in some of the uh, – in Road FC or uh, some of the kind of off uh, smaller Japanese organizations today, maybe Shudo, uh, such like that. But, um, you know, thinking back to kind of his fighting style, he was uh, – he always kind of seemed like more of kind of just an aggressive – not so much an aggressive, but kind of a wrestler, get top position, kind of kind of control the fights. Uh, do you see anything about his style uh, – you know, what do you think are his strengths and his weaknesses when it comes to a, a submission grappling match? Um, from his MMA fights, um, I think he's a very good boxer. Probably underrated as a boxer. I don't think people appreciate how good his hands are. Um, he's obviously very athletic um, and he's mentally very strong. Um, his wrestling is decent. I don't think it's well class. Um, <laughs> Neither's mine. That's not not too important, I suppose. Um, His jujitsu is probably similar to mine, I think. Um, MMA based. Look to get take people down. Look to get on top. Um, Passing guard isn't too strong for MMA fighters generally because we punch our way through the guard. Um, So um, I haven't seen too much of him online, just pure grappling. But what I've seen, he looks like a guy who's come from MMA, like I have. Um, I know he won the, sorry, he got silver at the ADCC, the 77 kilos, um, years and years ago. And he just recently, I think, won the Asian Masters um, at the Purple Belt. So he's obviously in the game and, and doing very well with his jiu-jitsu. Um, as far as strengths and weaknesses, I think he's going to be well-rounded, um, maybe not as experienced as a true jiu-jitsu guy. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Your uh, your sounds going in and out a little bit. Can you try to move the ca- your camera a little bit closer to you? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, no problem. I, I it was it just it dropped out a little bit there. But um, yeah, you were saying uh, he's basically really similar to your your style as far as an MMA fighter. And no well, risk. I mean, as far as, as MMA goes, he's certainly better than me. Um, he's he's achieved much more than I have in the sport. Um, and in an MMA fight, I think he's punched holes in me. But um, I think. In jiu-jitsu, he's probably similar sort of style to me, I think. Um, coming from MMA, he's going to be looking for the top position um, and probably more, uh, more looking for positional play rather than submission, but I could be wrong on that. What, um, what are the rule sets for the bout? I believe, is Polaris one 10-minute uh, round, or what? do you know what the rule, rules are going into it? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, so I got the call um, two weeks ago. Um, less than two weeks ago, really. Um, and they asked if I'd do it, and I said, yeah, okay. Um, it's a 10-minute match, right? And they said, no, you're on main card. 
so it's 15 minutes. <laughs> I've got to fight for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, all submissions are legal. So heel hooks, neck cranks, all that stuff. Um, that, that's all allowed. Um, no slamming out of submissions. So if you're taking someone down, you know, you, 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 you can do big fancy aerial throws, um, but you can't power bomb your way out of the submission. Have you uh, have you had a bunch? I, I thought I saw you competed maybe in the uh, in, in the ADCC recently. Have you had some other stuff to uh, some competitions recently to to kind of get you ready for this? No, um, because as I said, <laughs> I took up two week notice. Um, no, um, I didn't do the ADCC. Um, I entered. Uh, I competed in the ADCC um, old man uh, uh, division a couple of years ago in the UK just as a, as a bit of fun. Um, I, I do quite a lot of jiu-jitsu competitions. I compete in jiu-jitsu very, very uh, regularly. Um, but my most recent competitions have been in the gi, and three weeks ago I did a judo competition as well. Okay, maybe that's what was throwing me off. I, I saw on your uh, Instagram you did you had some you got you got on the podium a couple times though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I do quite well in jiu-jitsu competitions generally, um, mainly because um, of my extensive MMA background, right? So when I'm competing against um, uh, in jiu-jitsu against guys that probably have less experience grappling than me, so it's a little bit unfair, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I do tend to do okay. What uh, What's your weight like going into this match? What What's the uh, What's What's the uh, weight class, and and where are you at as far as weight? Um, so I, I guess we're working pounds because most of your, your listeners are going to be um, in the states, right? Yes. So um, oh, oh, I do both, I suppose. Um, <laughs> in in kilos, it's seventy point three, which is about one fifty five. Um, with a one pound allowance, sort of 0.5 allowance. So 70.8 is, is, is the limit. Um, so about 156, uh, 155 pounds, uh, 156 pounds, sorry, 156 pounds worth I've got to make. Um, and when I got the call, I was about 148. Um, so I'm a few pounds under. Um, and uh, the weigh-in is the day before. So I can only assume that he's going to cut weight. My guess, my guess is that he will go back in at around 160 to 163, probably about 73, 74 kilos. I'm going to go in at about 69, 70 kilos. So I'm going to go back in at about 152, 154. So I'll, I'm expecting to give away a little bit of weight, maybe 10 pounds, not a massive amount. But a little bit. How, how far is that weight off from what you used to compete at in MMA? Were you always the underside? I mean, there really was no bantamweight and, and featherweight divisions back then. Everything was lightweight if you were even able to get that lucky. Was was that the weight you pretty much competed at? You're absolutely right. Um, it was difficult to find lightweight fights when I first started competing. But I had quite quite a long career, um, 15 years or so. Um, so over that time, the light, lighter weight classes came in, and I started competing at lightweight more regularly. Um, but then guys were cutting weight and coming back in you know, way, way bigger than me. Um, I, I walk at generally. I used to walk at about 154. So I thought I dropped a featherweight, and then by then my career, I was fighting at bantamweight, so 135 pounds. What? Um, so now getting getting into some of your MMA stuff. What was it that? Uh, you know, how did you get into that at such an early age? I mean, I see uh, at least on on Fight Finder, uh, or, you know, or on your record, it, your first official pro match was like in 1997. Um, that you know, in the United States, MMA was still fairly underground at that point. UFC was around UFC 10 or 11 or so. Um, 
but it wasn't unless you were a hardcore fan, you really weren't aware of it. What was it like in the UK as far as getting involved in it at, at such an early time in the sport? Um, it wasn't in the UK. I, I fought in, in Vancouver in, in Canada. Um, there was nothing in the UK at the time, or nothing that I was aware of. Maybe there was, but I wasn't aware of it in the UK. But, but did I, you? I'm sorry, but did you live in the UK or did you live in Canada at the time? So I, I, I was living in the UK and I had family in Canada. Um, so I went on holiday, and um, they had uh, some guys training. Um, J- Jason Farron was teaching there. Um, he fought in UFC four. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I went and, and joined in and did a bit of training. And I said, look, this stuff, stuff looks amazing. You know, you get to go into a cage and have a fight and just smash someone or they smash you, but you've got a referee and his friends aren't going to join in. So I, that sounds amazing. Um, and he trained me and I took some fights. So you, you, when you, you didn't really know much about MMA until you visited family in, in Canada? Or was it something you were aware of in the UK? Uh, that's kind of what I was asking. I mean, was it was it something right. you were aware aware of, and then you just had to go to Canada for fights? Or well, I read uh, um, I read martial arts magazines because I was always fascinated with combat, um, and I, I and so I'd read about the UFC, but nobody knew nobody on the street knew what it was at all, not at all, um, and even people who did martial arts didn't know what it was, um, and we still didn't really understand what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was or anything about. Like, this guy who is crazy winning everything. We didn't, we didn't understand that, how that worked. But um, I'd also seen some um, fights out of Japan. They had shoot fighting and stuff. And they, then they had the uh, professional wrestling um, UWFI, which um, was aired over here. So we got to see, I mean, it, 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 those were work fights, but it was um, much more realistic than, say, uh, the pro wrestling that we were seeing. So we got to see some kickboxing, grappling, and some submission. Um, and so I had a little bit of an idea about what it was, but I, I had no nowhere to learn any of it. What? Um, so, so you started training uh, under Jason Farron. Um, at that time, uh, yeah, yeah, you had fight. You mentioned you fought at UFC four against Guy Metzger, um, in kind of an interesting match because it was they both had long hair early in the times, and uh, apparently there was an agreement that neither of them would pull hair when when it was legal. So that's kind of a, a little interesting fact about about his one. UFC bout. Um, I think it was his only UFC bout. Did he fight Christoph Leninger later on, or do you do you recall? I'd have I'm to... not... Jason and I kind of um, drifted apart after after about a year or so. So um, we we kept in contact a little bit, but I don't know. I don't think he had much of a successful career after that, which is a shame because he was really quite good, uh, much much better than than anyone really got, got to see. What was his? Uh... I'm trying to think of back to his style, and uh, like you said, he didn't have a huge career, so there wasn't a lot to to go back on. But he, he you know, he seemed like it, it was fight with uh, his fight with Metzger was a stand up fight. Did um, what, what was it? Just MMA training, or at the time it was basically no holds barred. Was it just no holds barred training, or was it any kind of focus on a certain art? Yes, um, specifically he was um, jujitsu, um, and he was good. He was really good at jujitsu in a gi and no gi. And he was good at making it work in MMA. Um, you wouldn't have thought so from watching his fights because he, he didn't get to, to, to show it. He, he, he fought um, Bob Gilstrap um, uh, whilst I was training with him. And he did really well and then gassed and lost that fight. Um, but the focus was definitely on jiu-jitsu. Um, we're, we're jiu-jitsu-based MMA. Well, NHB. So you... Uh... 
how 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 long of how long did you train before you you started to fight? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I, I've heard some of your other interviews where you you kind of grew up not uh, not afraid of necessarily uh, confrontation. I would say, but um, what uh, was it something that you just felt natural doing? I mean, how long did you train before you jumped in the cage? Well, I already had a black belt in taekwondo before I met Jason. Um, not that that means anything, um, but I mean just just to demonstrate that I put some time in, in, in martial arts and, and, and competing and training. Um, taekwondo techniques weren't really very useful. I mean, a bit of footwork maybe, um, and a little bit of kicking, but not a lot. Um, it's really transferable. But um, I, I had trained in combat sports. Then I, when I trained with Jason, um, it's going to sound like a short time. I trained six months before having my first pro fight. But I had my, my first fight um, in, in, uh, in the cage at the back of his, his, his uh, gym. Uh, on the first week I turned up, I said, look, I want to fight. And he goes, well, do you want to fight one of my guys this weekend? I said, yeah, okay. So I had, so I had a scrap in the, at the back, um, and I lost. Um, I didn't know any jiu-jitsu. And I, and I cracked the guy in the face, punched him, and he took my back and choked me. Um, but I trained with Jason just for six months. But that pro- probably doesn't tell the full story because um, I was training probably 20 to 30 hours a week. So it's not like I was just turning up to classes two or three times a week. I mean, I was, I was doing, let me think, I was doing, and nonstop, I didn't miss one class for the six months, and I did 10 two-hour classes every week. So at least 20 hours a week, and then any extra training I did on top. So I was, I was training very, very intensively. Um, so in that six months, I, 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 I improved quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, and then at that time, it was a different, it was a different world as far as if you got training like that under under somebody who actually knew what they were doing, you were kind of ahead of the game uh, in a lot of those events. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, not, I, like you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of the fights I took, the guys were coming in and their style was like street fighting or like some some crazy Korean name that you've never heard of, right? Some made up martial art and the guys and they were they were trying to flick their feet around and they thought they they'd done a, a bit of grappling from watching tapes and stuff, right? But when, we trained, when I trained under Jason, we had some like, legitimately good coaching on how to grapple people for MMA. So it was a huge advantage. What, um, so you, you went from the, 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 there in, in Canada getting some matches, and um, your official record has you winning your first four, four fights um, before, before you faced Dennis Hallman, um, another guy who at the time was – a pretty highly ranked uh, and, and respected fighter has two wins over Matt Hughes in his career. Uh, fought Jens Pulver at UFC 33 for uh, for the title. Uh, came up short in that bout, but somebody who who was a well respected competitor uh, still is. Just competed actually uh, two weeks ago at um, at Submission Underground. Uh, he lost to Craig Jones, who's one of the top grapplers in the world, and also competing at uh, competing at Polaris uh, this weekend. But um, you know. A lot, a lot um, younger than Dennis as well. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's closer to fifty uh, at, at this point. Um, what? Uh, so I see him as your first professional pro loss. Um, once you got on a, a roll and, and then you suffered that first loss, um, you you came back and won. Was there anything? Uh, I mean, it was obviously a different time. I keep bringing back the different times because a loss back then wasn't like they kind of treat a loss now. Um, now maybe that, maybe not personally to you, obviously a loss uh, probably sucks, but, uh, 
was it was it a learning experience at that point? I, I know you said you lost kind of your first, you know, smoker match behind the scenes match, but uh, what was there something about that loss fighting such a high level competitor that that kind of set you off for the next few years? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, in as much as I think most of my MMA career, if not all of it, was along that same sort of vein. Um, I didn't have um, specific coaching aside from Jason in the beginning. Um, so all of my fights were all trial and error. It was all, it was all learning. I never did it as a career. You know, I, I never supported myself with fighting. It was only ever a hobby. So the whole time I did it, it was all about learning. Um, when I lost to, to Dennis, um, what let me down was my cardio. Now, I'm not going to say that if I was fitter, I could have done any better. I don't know. Um, but I gasped very hard in that fight, and I realized, okay, well, maybe I should try and figure out how to work on cardio. But I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to train stamina. You know, I mean, we didn't have the information we have today. Um, how do you work cardio? Do you, do you go running? Do you do sprint training? Do you do circuit training? Do you do a lot more sparring? You know, um, that stuff was all trial and error for years and years and years, and, and it's difficult to try and figure it out. So... Um, I guess to answer the question, yeah, it, 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 it told me that I need to train differently, um, but it didn't really give me my guidance. What, um, at what point did you be, you know, what, at what point did you realize that this was something you were going to be really good at and, and you start to get recognized by the, the, the MMA community as a whole? Um, you know, obviously when you made the UFC, um, you you didn't have a flawless record, but you you know you were you were you were universally recognized. I mean, as somebody who went through and um, I used to read like the fight cards from tape trader websites, and you know you, back then you tried to get your hands on whatever you could. And after I after I searched out you know Brazil and Russia, and you know you kind of came to the UK because that was you know it became kind of a newer you know something that was kind of strange for a, for a foreigner. Uh, you know, in another event, and I'd see your names on the back of some of those uh, events and, and later, you know, guys like Michael Bisbing, and that's kind of how I started recognizing them. Um, was there a point where all of a sudden you realized you were the number one lightweight in, in the UK and, and kind of, it, it, you know, I mean, what was, what was that like? And, and, or, did it, or did it never really mean anything to you, I, I guess I should say? Um, well, you know, I, I did a couple of amateur tournaments in the UK, and I, and I won them, um, but they're, they're, those aren't on my record. Um, so that that um, was quite um, a conference, I suppose. Um, but we didn't have rankings or anything like that back then. So you just had to kind of go onto internet forums, see who people were, were, were thinking were the best, and then try and fight them. Um, but it didn't really interest me that much to try and fight all the best guys. And I mean, I was just doing it for a laugh, really. You know, I, I like to train, I like to fight, give it a go. Um, and whilst I was, I, I, I think I, I was probably recognized as the best lightweight fighter at the time in the UK, I don't think that means much. And I don't mean to disrespect anyone. Um, but there's only about four or five of us fighting in the weight class anyway. Right, and I was probably the only one who had any sort of jiu-jitsu grapple, grappling um, experience. So um, a lot of the guys were tough guys, but they would they didn't have the training that I'd had. But they were coming from a kickboxing background, or maybe some judo. Um, so it wasn't really apples with apples, and it wasn't really fair to, to say that 
I was the best fighter um, universally. Just, I'd, I'd had a head start. That was all. Was, uh, was there ever a goal to fight in the UFC? I mean, obviously that was the big thing, but when they called and gave you a chance to go fight for them, was that, was that a, a big moment for you or was it just a, another day of competing? Um, I, I, I get you just understand that back then I was a very different person to who I am now. I mean, that's half my life away. Right. So I was, I was just a young man. Um, and so it can be, it can be a little bit difficult for me to try and remember exactly how my feelings were and my thought processes were at the time. Um, yeah, looking at the UFC, it, you know, that was always great. And that was always, that was always been, that would have always been a dream to fight in the UFC. Um, and I always thought, you know, I, I'm not far away, you know, I'm, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, and I'm not far away from the other fight. But I always felt that same way, that I'm not quite good enough yet. And then they, they came to the UK, I was the number one lightweight, um, so in I went, right? And, I'm, and even then, I still think to myself, well, I'm still, I'm not ready for the UFC. But, you know, like this match with, with, with Uno, I mean, when you get asked to do something cool, you've got to take it, right? And then, you know, and then they gave you one of the legendary uh, fighters, uh, you know, uh, in Ginke Sudo, um, who was really, you know, he retired early in his career, but, uh, was really a spectacular fighter. Um, did it disappoint you that they, they didn't give you another opportunity? Um, yeah, at the time it did. Um, but looking back, I think, well, I don't think I would have been ready anyway. So, I mean, they didn't have any light, lighter divisions. And I was, you know, I, I got on the scales for that fight. Uh, I, I, well, hang on, before I say that, I want to make sure, I want to make it very clear that it wasn't, it's not an excuse and the weight wasn't a factor in that fight. But I got on those scales at like 153 pounds after breakfast with a drink in my hand. Or so, I don't, you know, I mean, it was, it was, I was really, really light. Um, it, Genki wasn't a big guy anyway. So that didn't, for that fight, it wasn't an issue. Um, I didn't notice the size difference. Um, but when you've got huge guys that cut weight, I mean, you can start naming the guys that cut weight that are massive with the lightweight division, but they only had the lightweight division. And, the, and guys that are walking around at 180 pounds, cutting 155, I couldn't afford those guys. They, you know, and I probably would have suffered some severe injuries trying to fight those guys. So in retrospect, um, I think it's probably a good thing that I didn't get asked to fight again. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't want to... Uh... I don't want to talk too much of, uh, about the, the fight because it, it didn't necessarily go your way, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a sensitive soul. You know, I'm not thin skinned. No, I, I know. And there's, and there's nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong, obviously with the, suffering a loss to pseudo. Um, what, what, uh, his, his, I, I can't, I can't deny it. <laughs> it no, no, it, I, no, I know. I know. Um, but you know, it, it, some people are more, uh, more sensitive and, and don't like to, to talk about their losses and, and, but not everybody's like, like I said, uh, it was a different era back then. Uh, even up to that point, you, you know, uh, not a lot of booing. You didn't get, you know, the, the, there was a little bit more respect for the fighters. I, I felt like it was a smaller crowd, but um, you didn't suffer the, uh, the humiliation, I guess that, that fans try to put some fighters through now when, when they suffer a loss. Um, yeah. I, I mean, so. at least from the fans' perspective, you know, you didn't have social media bashing you. I mean, obviously, like I said, as a, as a fan, just seeing you in the UFC at that time, um, kind of, uh, you were just, I, you know, as as a fan, uh, I I saw fighters like that as just the best in the world. And whether people thought 
you know, they, they were or they weren't, that's how fans saw them. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of events at that time. So I would see your name fighting there, and then I would I would see you jump into Cage Rage or Hook and Shoot um, from that point on. Um, but my but basically my question is, with Sudo, Sudo has a really interesting style. For fans that don't see him, he kind of does a breakdancing, robotic, lots of movement in the cage. Was that something you were aware of going into that bout? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Um, he's... He fights, really, he fights like a normal fighter. Um, but he goes and he dances around a little bit and, and you wait for him to finish his dancing and then you fight him normally, right? Um, if I was more experienced, I would have capitalized while he was dancing. I'd have run over and cracked him. But <laughs> I didn't have the confidence in my skills at the time. Well, not, uh, a, lot of, not a lot of people did that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, he, he does, I, I may have mentioned this somewhere else in the past, um, but he has this, this, this um, spinning technique. And he did he used it effectively in his K1 match fight. Where he, he does like a, like a spinning back fist. You know, he, he turns his back, lures you in, and then he does like a spinning back fist. But he also does a spinning back kick, and so you, you don't know which is coming. So you don't want to rush in and 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 um, expect the back fist, and then walk into a kick in the guts or something, right? So it's best just uh, I just I just stood off, let him finish what he was doing, and then then engage him. So as you moved on in your career. Um... You fought for, you know, like I had previously mentioned, Cage Rage, which uh, I think was pretty much universally recognized as the number one UK organization. Is that yeah. fair to say? Um, you know, one, one for example, one card, you were on the main card where the main event was Anderson Silva versus Lee Murray. Um, yeah. Was, uh, I mean, Anderson wasn't the Anderson. At that time, he was up and coming and obviously was known uh, – for some of his early matches, but uh, but not the superstar that he he became post Pride and and uh, and obviously his UFC run. Uh, any crazy stories that jump out fighting on cards with with uh, with some of those big names that you can think of that no, you can talk no. about? <laughs> Sorry, no problem. Uh, I'm on my phone and it's dialing in. Um, so I, yeah, so sorry to disappoint you. No, I don't. I mean, I shared I shared a sauna with with Anderson, um, and he was a very pleasant guy, really really big. Um, but no, I don't really have any crazy stories to tell you. I mean, at that when you're when you when you're coming up to a fight show, everyone's just focused on fighting, right? You know, um, everyone's trying to make weight. Nobody really wants to chat too much. Everyone's just been cutting weight for a week or two weeks and. You just want to get in there and get on the scales and get in and fight and go home again. So, yeah, I, I can't really tell you too much. I mean, apart from um, the obviously famous one, which was um, the Tito Ortiz Lee Murray fight um, in London, but I missed it because I went to bed early. I just fought and I went home and oh, I went back to the hotel and went to sleep. Were you, uh, were you acquaintances with Lee Murray? Was he somebody that you knew in the scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got on all right with, with Lee, yeah. Is right. And and again, for fans that don't know, uh, Lee Murray was a tremendously skilled fighter who uh, was eventually rested for for one of the biggest bank heists in in the history of the the world. Yeah. <laughs> From the uh, securities, um, I don't know what what did he make? Like it was like sixty million, something like that. It, 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 yeah, it was some astronomical number. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I trained, I trained with him a couple of times. You know, um, we hung out once or twice. Yeah, very, very nice to me. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. 
What um, what were the what were the crowds like? Just to, do you have any idea? Do you recall what the like what kind of crowd numbers would would a cage rage event get back then? Where was it? You know, fifteen hundred, or were you dealing with crowds of you know five to ten thousand at those events? Right. Let me think. Um, because they changed venues as they as they grew. They used to run it. They used to run cage rage originally out of um, Caesar's nightclub in London, and that was pretty small. So I don't know. I'm going to guess at about maybe less than a thousand. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, sorry, Dave and Andy, you know, if, if I've, if I've um, bastardized your numbers there. Um, uh, then they went to the Wembley Conference Center, um, and that was a nice venue, really, really nice. It was like, like, like a big auditorium. I think they had, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing, I think they had about 3,000 in there. Maybe okay. not that many. And then, and then they expanded into um, the main Wembley Hall, um, and they had some big, big much bigger numbers there. Like, certainly a few thousand, but I, I can't see it on my head. I mean, it's, 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 it's great. No, I, I, I understand. I was just kind of curious on what level it was at at, at that time. Um, it, it, it did like like when they moved to the Web, Wembley Conference Center, um, they had and I, that's why I think they had about three thousand people. That's when they brought in guys like Dieter Belfort to fight. You know, um, I fought John Silver there, and Vandalay Silver was in his corner. Um, when Vandalay was like fight champion. Um, so it, it was a really, really big event then. That was, that was, that was really good. Really, really good. Really good. And then they expanded even more um, and uh, really became effectively the number one European um, promotion. Did you fight on any of the cards with Tank Abbott? No. 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 I never met him. <laughs> um, so, get, you know, that, that's kind of your only and your only fights in the United States were for hook and shoot. Is that right? Or with a uh, you can recall? Yeah. yeah, I did one, one, two, three, four, four fights with hook and shoot, I think. Yeah. Now, you know, getting to, to, to uh, today, uh, obviously, you're, you're a strong member on the MMA community dot com forum. That's kind of, uh, you know, I, I saw you on the underground prior to that, but, uh, you know, that's kind of where uh, a lot of, at least myself, I, I mean, I knew you as a fighter, but as far as kind of a personal and, and as being a fan of the sport and stuff like that, who are the guys that you like watching today? Um, I mean, do you... MMA? Yes. Or or grappling or just anybody you like to watch compete. Um, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to tell you that I don't really like watching fighting. Um, I sounds so terrible but it's much of a muchness right it's, it's the same you watch guys fight and they're all good and they're all well-rounded and it's just you know i mean if i'm watching it it's just for, for for a name really like if conor mcgregor's fighting well it's conor mcgregor so i'll watch that fight you know if it's if it's habib you know if, if it's any of the champions you know if he's got john jones on your back or just take time or whatever i'll watch i'll watch that you know but um i don't i don't really watch much of combat sport really and as far as jiu-jitsu, oh my god, how boring is that to watch? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to put anyone off, but you know, especially especially the gi stuff, I just find it really, really boring. I love to compete in it, but if I'm watching it, I'm only watching it for technical details that I can pick up for my own game. Like to watch two guys playing in pajamas, sitting on their bums. Oh, yawnorama. Sorry if my thumbs anyone. No, no, I, no. It, it it can be slow. Um... You know the events like Polaris and uh, the EBI tournaments and stuff. They've they've done what they can to kind of uh, you know make them more exciting. Uh, the finish only and 
stuff like that. I, I, is your, your match uh, now, if it goes uh, coming up this Saturday, if that goes to the, uh, if it goes 15 minutes, is it an automatic draw or do they have judges? Do you know? So they've got some um, scoring system where they score each five minutes separately, but, but there's, there's, there's no break. It's a 15 minute match. But every five minutes, and then the judges will determine who won that five minute period. So then at the end, you can get the decision. Uh, I got a few more questions. Um, what, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested on the uh, Michael Bisbing is getting elected, in, or not elected, but uh, put in the UFC Hall of Fame uh, here coming up on uh, July 5th. Um, was he somebody that you were. Was, I mean, was he a big name around there, or did he become a bigger name in the United States? I mean, was was he somebody you were uh, around or trained with at any point? Um, oh, I don't know how much I, I should say here. I, I don't want him to beat me up. Um, so I used to get on with Mike quite well, um, and then we had, we, had, we had a bit of a falling out, um, so we didn't get on too well after that. Um, and I don't, I don't want to give too many details because I don't want him to come in and then punch me. No, I I got you. Um, um, like he thought I was trolling him and I wasn't, which I understand why, because I troll a lot of people. Um, but <laughs> he thought I was trolling him and I genuinely, genuinely wasn't. I, I, I used to get on really well with Mike. Um, was, he was, was angry he, and, and he, what? sorry, go on. Oh, I know. I, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Finish your story. Okay. So yeah, I was at an event and he, and, and he thought I was trolling him and he threatened to punch me if I didn't walk away. And I said, oh, I can't walk away. Right. I can't do that. Unfortunately, he didn't punch me. Um, because, I mean, that would have been a bad day for me. Um, but we never really spoke again after that. When he made his name on The Ultimate Fighter, was he a, was he a recognizable face in the UK? Or was it... Um, no. Not I, 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 I knew who he was, of course. I mean, uh-huh. and, and that, at that period, I got on really well with him. But nobody in the UK was really well known because um, it wasn't televised. Right? I mean, within, within the MMA uh, circles, within, within the community, he was well known. You know, as being very, very good. He won Cambridge. Um, I mean, he won every title in the UK. He was, he was definitely the, the top fighter in the UK in his weight class. Um, but MMA is such a a, a, um, a niche sport that he wasn't recognised mainstream. Um, but when when he went to fight in the, in the Ultimate Fighter, he was clearly the best fighter in the UK. Would he be noticed walking the streets today, or is it still not uh, that kind of recognition? I would. Yeah, yeah, I think he would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, nowadays, I mean, the UFC's blown right up, right? So, yeah, I think I think probably no question that he gets popped in the street. I don't know. I don't. I haven't spoken for years. Um, but I would assume he gets popped in the time in the street. All right. Well, uh, yeah. He, like I said, he gets like he gets put in the Hall of Fame June fifth. Uh, I think that'll also be on UFC Fight Pass. Um, it's pretty much all I got, Lee. I, I appreciate your time. Uh, yeah. Want to wish you the best of luck this uh, this Saturday. Um, again, that's uh, Polaris Ten. I believe it starts at four p.m. Eastern time uh, here in the United States. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that translates to you. I think that's eight eight p.m. Uh, your time uh, in the UK or so. Well, I think I think the uh, the, the undercard starts um, around six p.m. over here. Okay. Uh, so depending which time zone you're in in the U.S., that could be anywhere between five to eight hours time difference. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if Fight Pass is showing the entire card or just the top uh, six or seven matches. Okay. Okay. So that that might be what where I saw that time, but I, I could be a little bit off. Um 
like I said, uh, best of luck there. Loaded card, guys like Richie Martinez, uh, Uriah Faber uh, uh, in the main event against uh, uh, okay. Nicky Ryan. I kind of feel like I've got a bit of um, imposter syndrome here. I'm, I'm, all, I'm on this main main card with all these big names, and I think, you know, I just do a bit of jiu-jitsu for a hobby. So, um, here we are. No, but, I mean, you paid your dues, and, and uh, you're somebody who uh, – I, I think it's great. I mean, I'm always a, a fan of the uh, the old-school fighters. and um, You know, I'll be watching, getting a chance to see you compete again. And uh, yeah, but my, my point – like, like I, I go and train with other people. I, I train with young guys, and they all just spank me. They bash me up, and I think I'm on Polaris, and these guys, you know, nobody knows who they are, and it's not really fair. Right? <laughs> well, you, you're, uh, they got you matched up well with Uno. I mean, obviously, the the new generation, the the Nicky Ryan's and, and stuff like that are. Uh... Yeah, I, I want no part of that. If, you... if anyone from Polaris is watching, don't. don't <laughs> yeah, that guy's a. Uh, he's a. He's a savant when it comes to uh, to MMA, and uh, again, fans should check him out. I think he's about 17 years old now, and he's tapped out everybody from Imanari to. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's an elite level black belt. I know he's not a black belt, but he is an elite level black belt. Effectively, he's very, very, very good. Yeah, he's the. I mean, he's the epitome of what you're going to get. Um, that we always kind of thought you were going to get when you start seeing guys who competed since they were, you know. Uh, born basically and and he has a brother uh gordon ryan who's a who's again another um incredible uh submission fighter so um again best of luck uh i'll throw out i'll throw out the mma community.com forum uh right. everybody everybody can uh, see lee there he's one of the moderators uh, i also uh post there as much as i can um lee do you have any sponsors or uh your twitter handle or instagram anything you want to throw out um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Yeah, no problem. Or add me on Facebook if you like. Um, yeah, I've got some sponsors. Um, I'll give them a shout out if I can, uh, if I can remember them all off the top of my head. Um, so Funky Gums, Gum Shields, um, and uh, Grapple Kings, and Eurobash Brand, uh, uh, Hawks Fitness UK, uh, Samurai Piercing, and Bad Boy Supplements. I know that's a ton. Sorry, guys. Um, but I do appreciate everything that, that they do for me. No problem. Again, uh, that's Polaris 10 this, uh, this Saturday uh, on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Lee, thanks for joining me, and I uh, uh, hope to talk to you uh, in the near future after, uh, after your big win on Saturday. Brilliant. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Lee. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.